Hi, um, I'm Dr. Beth Murphy, and I'm here for the firefighter behavioral health segment. Um, some of you may know me and have probably heard me before, and maybe saw me once before if you saw my last show. Um, so I know usually we're just a voice, and so, um, so this is kind of new. So you get to see me talk. Um, I know that I have my husband in the background, so I, uh, John Murphy, you know, one of the firehouse lawyers, and so I often like to throw a question out to him um, or ask him for input too. So um, you won't see him, but he'll be this voice in the background. So um, anyway, but as you know, it's it's like I often if just fly by the seat of my pants when I'm doing these. Um, and I usually take topics that are relevant to um, what is going on in my life or what I'm seeing with clients or conversations I've had. Um, so it's, it's kind of like wherever I get inspiration and what I think is going to be useful. So um, this topic uh, actually was inspired by a podcast that I listened to. Um, and I'm sure some of you had heard me uh, mention. So I listened to Huberman Lab. Uh, he has a podcast and he's on uh, YouTube also. Um, and so he's a neuroscientist uh, down at Stanford. Yeah. So Stanford University. And um, and so we talks about a lot of different things, and it's always something that's based in science and uh, and the current science. Um, and then he um, talks about that and why you should care about it, and then what you can do with that. So I often recommend to my clients that they should listen to certain podcasts. Um, so uh, he's somebody that I listen to frequently and will often recommend. And then um, there's two others that I often recommend too, which I'll just throw out there. Uh, and that is uh, Peter Atia. Uh, he's an MD. He also does a podcast. He was also involved with the uh, series that was on the Disney Channel with Chris Hemsworth. and. I am blank on the name of it. Um, I want to say limitless, <laughs> I think. Um, but he was part of that. And so um, his interest is in longevity. And and he does practice and he sees uh, people, but he is involved with these podcasts and educating people and um, and trying to help people achieve a healthy, long life. And then the other uh, person that I listen to for a podcast is um, Matthew Walker, who is a sleep specialist or a sleep scientist, put it that way. So he goes by the sleep diplomat. Um, and then there's several others that I listen to, but I'm, I'm basically always trying to learn and I'm trying to find things that I can uh, learn and take in and then help uh, by imparting that to my clients and then giving them resources. So, you know, for me, bottom line is that I want to, I want to help people, but I, I really want to empower them. Um, so, you know, much of what I do is to 
you know, work with people that, um, well, work, I work with firefighters. <laughs> so um, they often will go, um, well, it's like they go, 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 go until they can't. And so um, I don't usually get to see them when they are doing good and and they're looking for tools to continue that. I've had a few. Um, so that's where we're hoping we can shift that uh, with um, our clinic in Seattle and then, um, you know, wherever. If I can help somebody be proactive so that they can go into the fire department healthy and leave the fire department healthy, then that then I've done a good job because that is my goal. So I am always looking for tools to help with that. So um, I will say that now this um, podcast that I listened to that inspired me is on growth mindset and enhancing performance and learning. And and I thought when I started listening to it, well, this is this is going to be interesting um, because I I've been interested in mindset research and tools for a while, and I've um, shared some of those tools before. And I think that it is it's a departure from what a lot of people um, have thought about uh, previously and what they learned a long time ago, uh, even what I learned even. Um, and so um, I started, so with this one, I didn't know how it was going to apply to the fire service. So I was interested in it just in general, and I was kind of surprised. So, and it makes sense because if you think about the fire service um, is, well, it is about performance. Um that was something that I learned early on when I was a firefighter. Um, when I got hurt, um, I ended up finding an orthopedic surgeon that uh, treated me like an athlete. And he just came right out and said, like, firefighters are athletes. Um, you know, at least that, that's how we start out anyway. Um, and, and hopefully it can stay that way. So with that in mind, it, it made sense that, yeah, so I guess like enhancing performance is something that is important. Um, and then learning, it's like the fire service is all about learning. Um, you know, everything you face is different. And so being able to think on your feet and to make decisions when um, you're under a lot of stress is actually a big part of what you do. Um, so it's like, it made sense that this growth mindset uh, for enhancing performance and learning, it's like that, that fits. So um, that was pretty much cemented when I was having some interactions with some clients and, and I was like, Oh, I just heard this, this fits, this is going to help. So anyway, it's like, uh, that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, and I've talked about mindset before, and um, particularly in how you think about stress. And, and this was something that I have brought up and talked about before um, is about stress and, you know, how stress can affect, affect you, affect us. Um, 
I know that originally it's it's like um, I think back to my research when I talked about stress and um, and what well, I've had discussions with John a while ago, and I know that in his thesis he uh, talked about stress and he used uh, the model for uh, the Hansel-Selier um, definition of stress, and so. Um, you know, basically, you know, see now I don't know what his definition was. I just know he talked about eustress and distress. Um, so, but it's, you know, it's like when you are, um, you know, we talk about stress stressors and stress response. So, um, and I think that some of it we use interchangeably. So, um, you know, there's a stressor, which is like the stimulus. So it's, it's whatever is out there that, um, that you are dealing with, and then, um, then the impact it has on you um, is the the stress, and then it, how that affects you ultimately is your stress response. Um, and the stress response is something I I think a lot of people think that, um, well, they think that there's you know good. There is that good stress and bad stress, and that um, we need to manage stress or avoid stress, and that's not really the case, and we can't really do that. Um, and I think that that was one of the points that was made up in this recent podcast that um, kind of reinforced some of the stuff that I've been talking about with clients and how I view stress. Um, you know, it's like I was on this path to find a way to explain stress and the stress response and how that relates to mental health and and try and normalize it and to answer the question that I often got is you know why why am I affected and you know why why am I here talking to you and other guys are experiencing the same thing and they're not um and and the fact is is that it's everybody experiences a stress response. And so uh, the first part of all this and, and, you know, moving towards that growth mindset and why this is important is that we have, a, we have a stress response because it is part of our survival mechanism. And that's, that's something that I tell everybody. So, you know, it's like our body is going to respond in the way it's going to respond. And, um, and that, we don't really have, we don't have control over that. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's a major, a major stressor and a critical incident, or it's um, something minor, like an unexpected bill in the mail. Um, or, or even if it's like good stress, uh, the way we define it, like it's something that is um, exciting and happy and we're looking forward to it, our body is still responding. Um, and so what um, Huberman had said is that, you know, stress isn't, it isn't good or bad. Um, it just is. So our body reacts and it just, it just does. And it reacts to um, help us respond to whatever we're being faced with. So, you know, so if you're like at work and the alarm goes off and you notice that your heart rate goes up and your breathing quickens and it becomes maybe a little bit more shallow and and you notice that you're tense and you like spring out of the chair, then 
it's like, you know, your, your stress, your stress system, your alarm system just got activated. And now you are up and ready and you're ready to respond. And, and so it's like, uh, there are a lot of other things that go on when you get activated um, and it's all meant to help you. Um, so Huberman does make a point and I will make this point too, is that you can have, um, I mean, there is such a thing as too much stress. Um, so if you're constantly being stressed and and you're not doing anything with it um, because so often, you know, the response is, well, I'm going to just, I'm going to do what I have to do. And then I'm going to stuff it down. <laughs> like whatever's left, I'm going to stuff it down. And then that is somehow supposed to make it like go away and you're going to be okay. Um, so it's like, you have to do something with it. Um, and I think that that's where then this growth mindset comes into play is that, uh, stress is not good or bad. Um, it just is. But what you do with it and and what you think is going to be a consequence of it, that does matter. And that can be good or bad. Um, and so that's mindset. Um, so how you feel about stress so this goes back to some of the early stuff that I looked at initially. Um, I think the first thing that really inspired me and got me thinking about it and starting this conversation with my clients and started to help me answer like why some people struggle and some people don't is that it was this TED Talk by Kelly McGonigal and it was making stress your friend. And and in that one, you know, she talked about how, you know, she spent her lifetime telling people, um, so she was a health psychologist. And so she spent her time telling people how stress was making them sick. And, um, and then she started to, you know, have some conversations with other researchers who were sharing what they were finding. And she started to realize that um, if you think that stress is going to make you sick, it will. And if you think stress will be enhancing, um, make you stronger, it will. Um, and it's not just about like your thought process around it, but thinking that stress is beneficial and enhancing actually affects physiology. And so she talked about that um, at that time. And I just thought that was so fascinating. And so that kind of like sent me down this rabbit hole, if you will. And, um, and I'm really grateful that I found uh, like Huberman Lab in his podcast and um, the people that he's had on there um, talking about their various expertise. So he had Aliyah Crum on as a guest. Um, and I think it, the episode was called um, Optimizing Your Mindset. So Aliyah Crum is a researcher at Stanford. And she um, has a program, which I often, almost always will tell my clients to, uh, to check out. And I encourage them to go through the short program that she has and to do the workbook. Um, but hers is, um, rethinking stress. So it's like, if you have this idea of stress is 
going to make you sick. Um, you know, and whatever that stressor is that is contributing to that stress, um, then it, it will make you it will make you sick. And that's something that's been shown over and over and over again in the research. And so the rethinking stress toolkit is a really simple um, process for like getting kind of a like a, a baseline education around stress and the research um, that supports each one of the steps that she suggests in order to shift your mindset to an enhancing mindset. And in doing that, then your body responds um, differently. And it will, um, so, and it, it gets right down to, you know, how your, um, you know, how, how you breathe and exchange oxygen and blood flow and whether your vessels contract or, or um, dilate and uh, do the vessels walls thicken or not. And it, you know, so it's, it makes, they make a very compelling reason. And the thing is that you don't have to know it, know it to that fine of detail to benefit from it. Um, but it is like having some basic understanding of the stress response and how it is um, something that has been part of our survival mechanism. And that it helps us um, and that we actually can do something about it. And I think that that was the other thing I learned from listening to Huberman is like all the things that we thought were automatic um, and we didn't have any control over. We actually do. Um, and so some of the and because of that, some of the tools that we can use um, are very simple and often our our body reacts in the way it's supposed to. And so those tools like are employed and we don't even know that. I mean, it just happens. Um, so it's like, now we have a way of going, Oh, I can do something with this. Now I actually can have some control over it. And I don't, I don't have to avoid stress, which is like pretty much impossible anyway. And, and you don't have to deal with stress. Um, you know, stress just is. And so now you can um, decide what you're going to do after. Um, so it's like you can, you can do some things that help. So um, just before I like I talk a little bit about the growth mindset, um, I mentioned um, Aaliyah Crum. And so her um you can find her stuff i mean you can go to this it's a stanford mind body lab and so you can go there and then you can follow the links to get to um the stress uh, uh rethinking stress intervention um and this i have talked about before um and on that there there's um short videos it takes about an hour and i encourage my clients to watch the videos um, because it gives a nice concise explanation about uh, stress and then the science. And then it walks you through, like it, you can download a workbook, which I also will ask my clients to do so that they can answer some of the questions. And so the three steps for rethinking stress is um, acknowledging st your stress, 
welcoming your stress and then uh, utilizing your stress. And, um, and then it talks about the science of like why each one of those is effective. And so I talk to people about the very first step, which is, um, I think probably one of the most, um, it's something that most people don't do um, because it's like stress. When you're under stress, you're experiencing stress. It doesn't feel good. And so um, part of our survival mechanism is to avoid it. Um, and so you get that like from what the firefighters always say is they they like put it in a box or they stuff it down. Um, and and then they talk about um, I, what I hear a lot is because they've gotten a lot busier is that it's, it's like they don't really have a, a choice. Sometimes like they go from call to call to call. So um, it doesn't leave a lot of time to process what you've experienced. So the um, so these three steps are really easy and they're fairly quick. And if you can only do one because you're off running to the next one, uh, the the research supports the benefit of of just doing that one, and it shifts the um, activity in your brain from the amygdala, the emotional center to the prefrontal cortex, which is, you know, where you can make sense of something. Um, so you can, uh, you can process it, you can analyze it, you can make a choice to put it aside until later. Um, and, and it's like, and our brain is okay with that. Um, but it is being like intentional about what you do with it. So it's not that this is something that's just happening to you. It's something that, um, you recognize and you recognize that you can deal with it later. Um, and so that, that first one is acknowledging stress. So it's like, well, what is stressing you right now? Um, that is the first thing you kind of identify that. And then it's like, well, what is your, you know, your typical emotional response? And, um, and I know like in, in the fire service, like you don't have emotions. Um, no, I know you do. You just don't want to admit it. Um, but it's like, so what, what are the emotions that you have? So it's like, um, you know, that's a big thing that gets stuffed down. And, um, I think for men in general and the way men are socialized, that's a hard one because a lot of, I mean, what you're seeing and what affects you most is human suffering. And that's sad. Um, and so men have a tendency if they're not acknowledging that sadness and feeling it, um, there's a tendency for them to stuff it down and then to be angry um, because that's something like society says it's okay for men to be angry, but not okay to be sad. Um, so that would just be like an example, but there's also, you know, the frustration um, or, or helplessness. Um, and that's an interesting one because for PTSD in the in the diagnostics I cannot say it the DSM4 diagnostic manual that we use to um, you know diagnose individuals and you know kind of provide a common language I guess so that we can uh, collaborate and talk to other professionals um, 
part of that definition was having that sense of helplessness and hopelessness. And um, a lot of people weren't admitting that they felt helpless or hopeless. And so when they, they redefined and, and they changed some of the, um, the criteria for PTSD when they moved from the DSM-4 to the DSM-5. And so they took out hopelessness. And, um, and I thought at the time when I knew that, um, I thought, great, that's awesome. Because it's like, I wasn't having anybody coming to me and saying, I feel hopeless. Um, but I have to say is that now <laughs> I've heard a lot more people talking about um, like feeling hopeless and, and it is often associated with like feeling like not having control, not being able to do something. Um, so it's, it's interesting to me that now I'm hearing a lot of people, including that idea of hopelessness. And so that might be like a, an emotional um, response. And then there's the typical behavioral response. So what do you do when you get stressed? Well, in the fire service, alcohol seems to be a really common practice. Um, it's like accepted as part of the culture. And, and I think it's one of those things that it starts out where people are drinking for social reasons. And then it just slowly increases as your, um, your your stress and or more, or more you're not doing anything intentional with your stress um it, it's like alcohol becomes something that you do more and more so it's like this kind of slow insidious uh stress alleviating behavior i guess um, and, and there could be other things, you know, it, it could be like you turn to, um, eating, um, uh, maybe, maybe you avoid, <laughs> um, so it's like you, you get out of the city you work in and, and you just don't look back until you have to go back the, for the next shift. Um, it could be sometimes it could be something positive like um like working out um but working out is a stress on the body as well and so working out um when you're already feeling like depleted because you ran calls you didn't sleep um you were experiencing this chronic activation of your stress response and not doing anything about it then it's like working out can put another stress on you, on your system, on your body. And, um, and so it, you know, it could be helpful, but then it could be, it, it could be harmful as well. And uh, particularly if it's, you know, your workouts get longer and longer and longer. Um, uh, also um, like I shared one year, um, a recording from one of my clients that was a firefighter and he talked about getting into drinking. And then also he became, as he said, type A about safety. And so he um, spent a lot of time um, devoted to safety and trying to increase awareness and practice and so forth. 
and and he had a standard that was pretty high and it was it was one that um like he was noticing that people were constantly failing around him and it it um then that made him frustrated and angry and then it made the people around him not want to be around him you know so it's like of course we should be concerned about safety but it's like even even too much of a good thing can um can be like a you know an unhelpful behavior um and then the other is like well what kind of physiological response do you have to stress and it's like we all have like this you know the same basic stress response and um and we you know we have that in common i mean pretty much everybody will say well yeah when i get um stressed then i have that increased heart rate and um you know, I'm breathing faster and more shallow and, um, I can feel my heart pounding and, um, you know, maybe you get sweaty palms or, um, or just like sweaty in general. Um, but also it might be like, you can't sleep or maybe you can't stay awake. Like when I, when I experience a lot of stress, I tend not to sleep because I'm thinking about all this stuff that I need to do. Um, and I would say that was more of how I was before. And now I feel like I have like a better, I have a better, um, way of coping with that. And then, um, John, he like would fall asleep. Like when he's stressed, he wants to sleep. And so it's like, people can have these different, these different things. Um, they can have stomach aches and aches and pains in general. Um, so, so identifying those physiological responses and then you, um, and then it helps if you write it down because there's this, uh, huge connection between the brain and our hand and writing things down, um, has a really huge impact as, as far as like processing. Um, and so, you know, so then it's like, after you I do this and you identify these things, it's like, if you have to be done because you're going to the next call, then you can put it in a container. And, um, and this container is something that you would, um, spend a little bit of time visualizing. So, you know, what that container looks like, you know, that you can open it and put something in it and close it. Um, and then you, you put whatever this is in the container and then you can deal with it more later. Um, so it's a little bit different than just stuffing it in a box and putting it up in on a shelf and never thinking about it. So our brain likes it when we say, okay, this is going in the container and I will deal with it later. Um, and it's the, I'll deal with it later that lets your brain relax. Um, so, so just that first step, and it's like, it took me way longer to talk about that than it does to actually do it. Um, so then the second part of that is um, welcoming stress. And, um, and I, I think that that, that one's kind of funny, because I'm like, well, who wants to welcome stress? <laughs> but if you think that stress is enhancing, then bring it on. I welcome it. Um, you know, if you're not stressed, if you're not feeling stressed, then you're not growing. Um, you're not learning. 
Um, so there was uh, Huberman talked about a, uh, I think it was a math professor that had uh, done some in, like an introduction in his class where he said that if you um, were faced with math problems, um, be, you know, before like when you first came in, like if you looked at the math pro problems you're going to be working on and you thought, I can't do this. And you immediately felt a stress response. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't do it or that you're out of your league. Um, it means that um, you're you're ready to learn. Um, or, and in some instances, it means you are learning. Um, so, like if you've taken a test, for instance, and you missed some problems, you know, rather than looking at it as like. I, you know, I'm stupid. I can't do this. Why am I doing this math? Um, he says it, it, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that you're learning. So that, that response that you're having, that stressed response you're having to, um, you know, missing some uh, of the math problems, it means that you're learning. So um, which makes me think about um, failure. Um, there is like a definition of failure, but basically failure is, is, or the only time you fail is when you quit trying. Um, so, so failure kind of goes with the territory of like doing things over and over and over and over again and, and learning from it. Not the same things though. So it's, it's like you're figuring it out. Um, so taking charge of it. Um, so welcoming stress, which um, I've talked about, um, again, all this before. So in brief, it just basically acknowledging that you're stressed because you care. Um, if you didn't care about something, then you wouldn't be experiencing the stress from that. And, and so I've said this many times, but, you know, most people go into the fire service because they care and they want to help people. Um, and they they want to make a difference in some way. And so when they are feeling that they're not helping people or they're not making a difference, um, they start to experience more stress. And, and it's because they care. Um, and so that, you know, it's like just you're acknowledging it and then you're recognizing that you're stressed because you care about whatever that thing is. Um, and that that impacts you in, in all the ways that you noticed in the first step. And then, um, and then that aligns with, um, you know, like, what are your values? What are your goals? And, you know, is there something that you can shift there? Um, because sometimes people find that they might not be operating from their set of values. Um, and I can honestly say that um, that is like thinking about what your values are. Um, that's, that's generally not something that people, um, focus on. So it's not usually like at the, in the forefront of their brain. So, um, so this is kind of a way to kind to check in and see like, where are you at in relation to your values and your goals? Um, because the farther away you get from those, the more tension you're going to feel. And that can be, um, something that is 
contributing to this felt sense of stress. And then the last part is that utilizing stress. And so this is where you take into account all your responses from the um, previous sections and, um, and notice like, well, what, what is your typical response and how can you change that? Um, so what, what can you change? Um, how do you, you know, what do you need to do to align um, things with like your values? Um, that's a hard one sometimes. Um, uh, how can you, um, I don't know, it's kind of like more questions um, and exploration. So I tell people that this one might take a little bit of time and take a couple couple passes at it. So this is kind of where you make meaning of it and you incorporate it into um, your uh, you incorporate it into how you work, how how you go about your job, your daily life, whatever. So it it does help to inform the next the next situation, the next interaction. Um, and so that's, you know, basically what, what we do, we do a lot of this automatically, but with this, it's like, you can do things more purposefully, um, and with intention. So you don't have to be at the whim of, you know, stress and stress is bad because stress isn't bad. Stress is stress. And, um, it is what you believe about stress that makes a difference. Now there's, um, there's been a ton of research in this area and it is like surprisingly simple. Um, so this idea of like growth mindset, um, it is, it, it's taking that stance of, I, I will grow from this. I will improve from this. I will get better from this. And it starts with how you talk to yourself. Um, and this is something like you can take this and you can apply it to yourself, but you can take it and you can apply it to your kids. Um, and it is surprisingly simple. And, um, and every time I, I learn something about this, I am just like floored by how, how simple it is and, and how we've deviated so far from, from this like basic idea. Um, so this, the research, a lot of the research they, they've done, well, they'll do research on different age groups, for instance. And so there's a lot that's done on, on kids and, um, and how like kids are praised, for instance. But it also, they've done the same type of experiments with um, college age kids and with adults. Um, so what they found is that when you take two groups of people um, and you, um, and so that this particular experiment I'll say is like, they, um, they basically um, take uh, people that are like around, I, I think it's like they're around the same intelligence. So I think that they've assessed them in some way for that. And then they separate them into two groups and then they give each group a test. And, um, and then one group, um, 
they will. Um, and so, and these groups did, you know, they did well on the test. So it's not like they were really hard tests. They were just um, something for them to, to do and to accomplish and to have some sense about it. So one group, um, they said, wow, you're really smart. So they um, told people, you know, you are this, you are smart. Um, and then the other group, they said, oh, man, you really worked hard on that. And I, I could see you persisted, like you were persistent and you worked hard. And so it was about effort. So then they gave um, a choice of a of taking another test where one test was similar to the first one and one test was um, harder, more difficult. And so the group that got the, the praise of you're so smart, they chose the test that was similar to the one that they did. And then, um, and then the group that was told that they worked hard and um and persisted they um chose the harder test and um and this is something that they have seen repeated time and time again um and then they started looking at like well how people like performed on these tests um or other tasks um whether it was a test or it was um something that was like more performance related um like um something athletic for instance um and what they found is that um and it didn't matter if you said it before or after but if you praised them for like being like said oh wow you're so athletic versus man you really you really worked hard on that and um and you put like maximum effort um it it made a difference um again in performance so like again it's like the groups that were giving given praise um based on um like a label like um you know who they are like your athletic um, versus effort versus um, like, oh, you worked really hard. Um, again, it was like the, even in that performance realm, um, the the people that got um, acknowledgement for their effort did better and they continued to do better. Um, so they were more likely to challenge themselves to improve. And so um, that is a great example of something really simple. And it, like I said, it doesn't matter what they found in the research. It didn't matter if they gave that, um, that feedback at the beginning of an event or after, because um, if, they, if they did whatever the event was or the task was, and then they gave them that feedback after, then then the subsequent um, tasks were affected. Um, so it's like, so it matters in, in what you say. And so this is something that can be used, um, you know, if you're a parent with kids, you know, it's think about like how you acknowledge their, their achievements, for instance, like, you know, do you tell them that they're really smart um, when they get an A or do you say, you know, 
I I saw you studying and you worked really hard to to you know get that A. Um, or if they excel at sports. So this is something I was thinking about because it's like my oldest grandson, um, I'm pretty sure that he's been told that he's so athletic. <laughs> he's a natural athlete. And he is. Um, but he will melt down if he if he fails at something. And and I was thinking about that and this research, and I thought, oh man. We got to start emphasizing the hard work and the repetitions. Um, so if if you have kids and you're listening to this, then then this is like just think about this and and make sure you're reinforcing um, your kids for their effort, um, and they will do better, um, and they will continue to do better and improve, and you'll be um, helping them along their the way of that growth mindset. Um, and then if you're in the fire service and um, and you're an officer, I mean, essentially, it's like you're doing the same thing. Um, you're you're recognizing your people for um, their effort and their hard work and, um, you know, sticking with something, doing something hard. And this is something that has come up with my my clients that I've noticed is that um you know, it's like they're doing really well in some areas and not in other areas. And, and it's like they have a different mindset um, about one thing versus the other. And, um, and so, uh, so it's possible to like have this growth mindset in in one part of your life and, and not to have it in the other, but you can have it in both. It just means again, being purposeful and mindful um and so it's it's again about the words that you're choosing and what you're focusing on um so i know i like i left the um rethinking stress workbook um i think i pretty much like said what i need to say about that um if you're interested in that and you're interested in using that as a tool then you can find that at the Stanford Mind Body Lab, um, and it's rethinking stress. And so it actually will present that material in a couple different ways. So if you're uh, interested in doing it um, and going through that, and I highly recommend it as a as a tool. Um, and then um, then just going back again. So now I'm going back to the growth mindset, which kind of builds off of that. Um, you know, so the, the one thing we just talked about is like what you say to yourself, um, and what you say to others. So that's really important for that growth mindset. And, um, and there was like, I'm like, what was the last thing I just had discussions about this? Um, I'm kind of looking through my notes to see, um, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, about all this um and uh, oh my goodness i am so it's like i'm thinking out i'm thinking to myself and i'm talking myself through this um hmm. 
Was it about what a great athlete your grandson is? Well, I did talk. <laughs> I did talk about that. Yeah, um, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, he is, and I think that that was uh, an example of um, how you know we can um, you know we think we're we're doing a, that we're doing a good job in in helping. Um, you know, like our children or could be helping other people um, like perform better, but it's, it actually is hampering and it's not helping them face inevitable failures um, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good of an athlete you are. It doesn't matter how good of a firefighter you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Um, it, eventually you're going to hit a point where you, you know, can't carry anymore. And that is true, you know, whether you're talking physical or emotional or you can't, um, you know, you can't jump higher or further or run faster. Um, and, and if everything you've done is based on, you know, having that label, then eventually you're going to hit a wall and you're going to fail. And so, at that point, then it matters about how you think about that. And if you think that that failure is, um, if it means, uh, well, I can't do that. I guess I shouldn't be here. Um, then you know, you you're definitely, um, you know, shutting shutting yourself down. And um, and in that sense, that. Uh, you're not helping, you're not helping yourself. Um, so, and that would play into that, um, that mindset of um, stress is uh, debilitating. Um, so like for, for him, for instance, it's like shifting the praise to um, effort. You know, it's like, well, you're, you could do hard things. You can, um, you can, uh, pick yourself up. Um, and, uh, and, and you can, you can keep going. And so it's like, that's that growth mindset. It's like, just because you fall down doesn't mean you can't get up. Um, and so, and I think that that was like, I was kind of moving into that. You can do hard things because that's what the fire service ask you to do hard things. I mean, it's like, sure, you can train like pretty much anybody to do the job, but not everybody wants to do it because it is hard work and it's, it's hard. Um, it's hard on you physically. It's hard on you emotionally. Um, and, and it affects all areas of your life. But being able to recognize that you can do hard things um, and that you can, um, that you can experience the stress and the uncomfortableness, um, and you can utilize it and you can learn from it and you can move forward. Um, I was going to say move on from it, but it's like, I think it's better to say like, you can move forward with it. Um, because you're um, you're taking those experiences and you're not letting it uh, define you 
I guess. So it's like you have a choice over what you do with that. So yes, you will experience stress. Um, it is what you do with that. Um, and that is, um, I think that that has great benefit and application in the fire service. So even if you are at that point where you're feeling burned out and overwhelmed and you have had this uh, mindset of like stress can make you sick. Um, you can, you can relearn and, and, and well, I want to say undo it, but you can, um, you can re you can relearn. So our brain has amazing neuroplasticity, which is something like probably 15, 20 years ago, we didn't think that that was the case for adults, which is pretty mind blowing. Um, but it, it means that you can still learn. And, um, and when you shift that mindset, it changes how your body reacts to the stress. So it's like what you think impacts what your body does. Um, and it's like, I think that everybody in the fire service, um, you know, kind of old school belief was that, um, you were going to experience stress and it was going to affect you neg negatively. And that's one of the things that has always made me cringe. And I've heard this often is, um, you know, in preparing people for the job, I have, and, and in trying to be like proactive about mental health, I've heard a lot of people say to um, other people going into the fire service, just understand you're going to be under a lot of stress and you will develop PTSD. And it's like, no, <laughs> that is not helpful. <laughs> um, it, what you will experience is you will experience a post-traumatic stress reaction. So just like any stress response, um, you know, we're, we're labeling this rather than just a, a stress response and experiencing a stressor it we're labeling things as a traumatic stressor. Um, so it's like those things that are life threatening, um, the, you know, the critical incidents. Um, and so, yes, you will experience those things and your body will react to it like it's supposed to. And some of those reactions are going to look like and feel like how um, the symptoms are described in the criteria for PTSD. And it's that is the body reacting, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And so that's like more helpful, I think. And it's like, no, you don't have to, you don't have to develop PTSD. Um, but you will experience those stress symptoms, um, the stress reactions, we all do. So it's like, what are you going to do about that? And so those are the, the tools I talked about um, at the, the beginning, the Rethinking Stress Workbook. That is a great tool to use. Um, it, just understanding that you're not at the whim of your stress response, knowing that um thinking that this experience of stress is going to help you grow and be better. Just thinking that and believing that means that 
you will already be doing better. Um, your body will be doing better. Um, so that's, that's still doing something. Um, um, so telling yourself, um, you know, I can do hard things. I can tolerate this. I can handle this. Um, that's something that I've heard come up a lot. And it has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of the calls that really get to people are these like emotional calls. Um, it's, um, it's the ones where there is are strong human emotions and um, similarities between your own family members. Um, that's why, you know, kid calls are often really hard because people have kids. Um, so it's like there's some identification there. And so that creates a lot of emotion. And so what I hear a lot is I can't, I can't handle that emotion. And it's like, well, but you can do hard things. You can, you can, um, you can grow from this. You can learn from this. You can do something with this. And I think understanding, um, you know, what tends to create a bigger stress response in you and recognizing that can help you make some decisions around what you want to do about that. And so it, it again is like you, you can, you can handle it. Um, and, and you will be, you will be better for it down the road or you will be um, maybe it, it's like it, it's, it's still going to be sad. Um, and you're going to, and you're going to know you're going to, it's going to be reinforced that you can do um, hard things and you can experience these strong emotions and you can talk about these emotions and that it doesn't make you weak. So um, it's like, I, and I, this is what I had this discussion with recently is like, you know, if you can do hard things in one area, you can do hard things in other areas. Um, and I, for some, some reason, we just get socialized in thinking we can't do one, but we can do the other. Um, and so we don't have to do that. And so it's just that shift, just that shift in thinking that's um, like the biggest part of it. Um, it doesn't mean that you lie to yourself because like we do, we do notice when we lie to ourselves. So we can't like make something up and then it's going to all, all of a sudden be great. Um, so, so you have to be realistic. And so sometimes that means that what you do is like neutral um, it, because there's no way to, um, and well, I think it's recognizing where you're at. So, um, so you can't do something that you've never tried. And just because you're telling yourself you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you can. Um, but it is then about like, well, okay, I haven't done this yet. Um, and I haven't mastered this yet. <laughs> um, so it's like giving yourself an opportunity to, to learn that. And it's like, and you can always choose not to do something. So you don't have to excel at everything. Um, so it may be true that no matter how hard you work at math, <laughs> for instance, um, it, you're not going to be a mathematician. 
And, and that's actually okay. So you can choose to be okay with that. Um, you know, and it's like when you're in the fire service, you don't have to excel at everything. You can choose areas that you want to excel at and be open to the things that you don't excel at yet so that you can, um, you know, be better if that is a road that you want to choose. Um, if you're not used to experiencing emotions or acknowledging the effect that stress has on you, it's like, well, you can do that because you've done lots of hard things in other areas. So you can do this hard thing. And, um, and it, it doesn't mean that you're weak um, because it, it, it's human nature. It just is. Um, and it's like, so that, that acceptance piece is important. So um, it's like, just keep moving forward. You're going to succeed and you're going to fail. And your failure is only a failure if you don't keep trying. And, um, and eventually you will get it and you will do better. And, and, or you won't. And then you'll say, well, okay, this is not my area of expertise. Um, but that means you have a choice and you're being conscious about it. Um, but you're not taking it as, um, I failed, so I'm no good at this. Um, or, or calling yourself a failure. So it's like those labels. So notice what your labels are. So what you say to yourself matters. Um, so, um, so I guess like I would, as a takeaway, what I would say is um, one is it's not the stress that hurts you. It's, it's what you say about it. Um, it's what you do with it. Um, and you can, you can change what you do when you experience stress. Um, and, and that is in part maybe thinking about like, stress like shifting okay well stress will make me stronger um and that helps you to recognize that you can do things that are hard it's okay to fall down and you can pick yourself back up and keep going um it matters what you say to yourself that would be the uh, that would be another takeaway from this so um you know be aware of like how many times you say should um you know, if you're saying I should do this, I should do that, um, then that is a sign that there is a disconnect between uh, an expectation, whether it came from you or it's somebody else's expectation of you, and the reality. And so it's like that means you should look at it. I said should. You need to look at it and um, and then decide what you're going to do with it. So it's about being pur purposeful in making decisions. Um, um, notice the labels um, and, uh, and be, be realistic. Um, give, acknowledge people's effort, acknowledge your own effort. And then, um, and then for, um, you know, how you handle stress that comes along with the job or in day-to-day -day life. I mean, this is a tool you can use anytime. 
uh, check out the Rethinking Stress Stress Rethinking Stress Toolkit and um, and go through it. I encourage you to watch the videos and and then work through the workbook. Um, it it goes. You can go through it fairly quickly. So um, do that. It's a good tool, um, and it will help reinforce the idea that you can handle you can handle stress. You can learn from stress. You can grow from stress, um, and that it's not bad. <laughs> uh, so it will reinforce that. Um, and. Uh, and notice it in other people. So, um, you know, if you notice other people using, you know, the people that you're working around, it's like you can kind of change their behaviors by like shifting some of the words that you use when you're talking with them. So you can um, you can model that shift and that and they may start to pick up on that shift. So if you can't have a direct conversation about it, then you can start modeling this um, this change. So um, so you can you can do that as well. And then and then you can always do the the other um, you know some of the other tools that people will use to help them tolerate um, what they experience from the from their st- stress response. Um, so, uh, there's, there's still value in breathing. (laughs) So using your breath, um, Huberman talks about the physiological side, and that's a great tool for when you are feeling like, um, your stress levels are elevating and, um, and you need to, um, stay, I was thinking like stay in the game. So it's like you're, you're stress levels are elevating and you have to do do a job and um or you have to have a difficult conversation or whatever so um taking some deep breaths or doing that physiological sigh which is um taking a a deep breath through the nose and another little like kind of sniff and then exhale engaging the diaphragm so it's it looks like this So you do that, and that stimulates your parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system, and it helps you stay in your prefrontal cortex so you can think. Um, and then other breathing tools you may have learned, so the like box breathing, for instance. But it's like those are things that you can do that can help um, the the physiological response that you're feeling in your body. Um, So you have some control over this. So um, it's not, you're not at the whim of your, um, your stress response. Like we, but like we used to think. Um, So I think, I think that that is like, all the stuff that I mentioned before and the things that I want you to take away from this. So um, uh, it's possible to have a growth mindset, um, just shifting how you think about stress and its effect on you. 
and um, and how you talk about uh, yourself and your your kids if you're a parent that matters. Um, so move from the labels to um, acknowledging effort um, and recognizing the hard things that you do. If you do hard things in one area, you can do hard things in other areas. Um, and, and you can have that control. Um, use the workbook for um, helping you acknowledge your stress or use, you know, acknowledge the stress, feel it, notice it, whatever that response is. And if you can't deal with it, then you can put it in your container um, and go back to it later to um, further examine it. Um, so don't be afraid of that response um, because you can do hard things. Um, and, uh, and you can still do these things, these healthy things. You could still do breathing um, exercises. You can use the physiological side. Um, and then there's, there's so many other things. Um, but I think that covers this, this basic level. So I'm going to end it with this and, um, and then maybe we'll talk about more things that you can do to enhance your health and, and other healthy strategies. Um, but these are like probably the, the easiest, most basic things that you can do. And if you haven't done them before, you can do them now. It doesn't take a lot. So, um, so go out there and, and face your stress because you can. And that's all I've got for you tonight. <laughs> so thank you.